Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Movie Digest. I'm JQ. I'm Finn. I'm Theo. And this week is our top five Bond films. Dear listener, what was that voice we just heard? Could it be someone else? Someone oh. you. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been doing this podcast for nearly three years. So after 27 years of the Movie Digest podcast <laughs> and 7,000 episodes, we thought it might be an idea to change things up a little bit. Yeah. So welcome, everyone. Theo. I'm here for the threesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't quite describe it like that. I am lied down on a pillow like a... I a Greek goddess. <laughs> Just draw me like your French girls. Um, yeah, so Theo and I have known each other for... 15 years. 15 years. And you're probably, I want to say that you're the Movie Digest's biggest fan, but that would be a lie because you're the Movie Digest's only fan. <laughs> only fan. <laughs> yes. Sad, but true. Yeah. So you love films. <laughs> yeah. Tell Finn your story about uh, the Jaguar on. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. In between uni, I try and get work experience on films and, and was a runner on the second unit of Entrapment. Mm. The Sean Connery, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yes, terrific. But not film. with them, but working on the stunt unit, much more fun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, short story is everyone went to lunch one day on the back lot and left me in charge of the the Jaguar XK8 that Sean Connery drives, crashing nice. through the borough market and stuff. So at first they all disappear for lunch. There's no one around at the back lot. Didn't think about the CCTV cameras, but anyway. <laughs> and uh, so first I'm just standing by the car and then I'm like, it's unlocked. I'll, I'll sit in the car. Oh, the key's in the ignition. I'll just turn it on. Actually, there's a runway here for stunt drivers to test out the car. I look around and I'm like, come on, let's do it. Yeah, have, to. have a quick race up and down the runway, put it exactly back into where it was parked, and la la la, get on with the day. <laughs> <laughs> and no one knew. No one knew. That's or, amazing. I think yeah, it was a few crew members far away. Yeah, having their lunch, they didn't care. Yeah, yeah. Gave me a little cheeky smirk. You've actually driven in the same car that was used in entrapment. That's yeah. See, I drove the car that. Sean Connery probably didn't even drive because he was probably just getting pulled <laughs> yeah. along by a camera truck. I remember like working on Entrapment and they thought it was some big action film and we were filming these car chases through the Limehouse Link Tunnel, went to the <laughs> cast and crew screening. The whole thing was cut out. Really? Yeah, this massive big car chase thing. Great. They, it trimmed it from what could have been like, a five-minute car chase into about 10 seconds. Ugh, that's rubbish. Because in the next scene... Sean Connery and Catherine St. Joe's get out of the car and it's all smashed up, bashed yeah. up, but you don't see how <laughs> that happened. So talking about entrapment and espionage, espionage and Sean Connery mm. brings us on to the Sean theme Connery. of today's episode, Bond films. There's, what's it, 25, 26? This is number 24, I believe. Yeah, so in theory, done, yeah. in theory, we could have a top five that doesn't match... That won't happen. It's not going to happen, is it? No. <laughs> I, d I doubt it. It's really doubt oh, it. Oh, you never know. So, Theo, as you're our guest, you can go first. Oh, so I've got to start from five, I suppose. Yep. From yeah. five. License to Kill. Ah. Mr. Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton. Was which, it the first or the second one? The second one. Ah, okay. After which he was fired. <laughs> <laughs> because, well, he was never actually meant to be Bond in the first place. Yeah, Chris Brosnan. 
but he was Remington Steele. Right. Yeah, I was looking at this documentary recently where Pierce Brosnan was like all set for living daylights, and then the last on that day where his contract was supposed to expire with Remington Steele, they picked it up and renewed it, and he was stuck. It's crazy, isn't it? But I love Timothy Dalton. Not maybe not the films overall, but Timothy Dalton is like what Daniel Craig is now. This dark, tough, no jokes, mean Bond. So it was so different, different contrast to Roger Moore. And License to Kill took it to a more violent level. It was the only rated 15 James Bond. Ah. And especially in the second one, he wanted to do more of his own stunts in the film. It had more control over the story. And it was a big flop, generally. But yeah, that's why they didn't make another one for six years. Ah, yes. That was the biggest, longest break. Every time it's on TV, actually, I really get into it. <laughs> because the it's, where they put it's the just different to all the, the other side. Ones. Yeah, the yeah, truck. Yeah, the truck's great. There's some that. good stunts. They're really 80s in the best possible sense. But like, I really like the Dalton ones as well. One of my best mates who's the biggest Bond fan you've ever met, like, can tell you all the actors and actors that have been in it, all the little uh, trivia facts and stuff like that. But his uh, two favourite Bond films are both the Dalton ones. They're just, he just, just like, they're, they're the best Bond films, easily. I was like, I don't know if I agree with that, but like, he <laughs> absolutely loves them. Like, for those kind of reasons, he's like, oh, it's just really dark and different and yeah. they're really 80s and just, yeah. No, because it starts off, you know, really, I mean, I love the, I love the song and the beginning where they're just, they're skydiving down into Felix Leiter's wedding. And then it goes into the song. Yeah. Then the next scene, Felix Leiter gets married. The wife's killed just like that. <laughs> And Felix Leiter's lowered into you know, a pool the sharks. with sharks and yeah. it's just chewed up. And it's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a young Benicio Del Toro yeah. playing one of the bad guys. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Mm, that's number five. Number four is From Russia With Love. Ah. Okay, so then we go way back to 63. That's my favourite, actually, of all the Connery really? Bonds. Interesting. So now you know there's not going to be Connery <laughs> any higher. I love Connery in every film. In fact, any film he does, Bond or not. But his best Bond before it got too overblown, big budgeted, and that had the original train fight sequence yes. against Robert Shaw. Was it Robert Shaw? Robert Shaw from yeah. Jaws. Actually, that bad guy or henchman. Robert Shaw and Connery were like the perfect match. So I don't see that. I don't watch that over and over again, but that's really classy, James Bond. Is that the first one where they mentioned 006 or 009? It's been so long since it's in the older yeah. ones. I think I've got them all on DVD, but yeah. it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> and then number three, Casino Royale. David Niven one, obviously. <laughs> oh, uh, no, <laughs> I really can't bear that old one. But. It's not actually official canon either. No, no there's that, and is it Never See Never Again? Yeah, where they tried to tempt Connery back and it's yeah. got like Michelle Pfeiffer, but it's not actually Kim Passenger. It's Kim Passenger, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still think Casino Royale's Craig's best Bond. Yeah, I love the opening sequence with that parkour chase it's up incredible. the scaffolding. It's post credits, isn't it? Is it it's the first oh, one's the yeah, black and white bit? The f- yeah, the opening scene is hardly anything. Yeah. Mm. So it's the monochrome it's stuff, isn't it? If the M thought I was bent, he would have sent a double O. <laughs> that's it. That's the only quote. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's about introducing Craig and he 
obviously made a great impression and the best Bond girl maybe of all or the most tragic almost Eva Green yeah I love Casino Royale even just especially like the casino scene is maybe even more intense than all the action scenes it's not too big a budget like the later ones so it's contained it did really feel like it was a really needed shot in the arm to the James Bond franchise because you had the Bourne films in particular, that's the ones that people always reference because they were so high octane, but like really visceral and like lifelike. Whereas you compare that to like Die Another Day or some of the later Roger Moore ones and you're just like, they're so, they're borderline pantomime. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're so cheesy. Yeah, Casino Royale came after Die Another Day, which I was enjoying for about half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and then as everyone knows, when he starts CGI surf kite surfing some tsunami cgi wave on a cgi surfboard that was it forget about those you know the invisible car as well which isn't invisible you can see where it is on the screen the whole time it just fell apart (laughs) Uh, probably and it's not a, a comment on Halle berry as an actress but Jinx is probably worst, one of the worst Bond girls ever as well. Do you remember she was going to get her own spin-off movie for a while as really? well? Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. But she was badly written. She wasn't... Exactly. She's a great actress. She done, She just won the Oscar. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Monsters Ball, Monsters like Ball. the year before. Yeah. And she just wasn't given any great work Terrible. to do besides a great bikini. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, number two, actually, Pierce Brosnan's first James Bond, Goldeneye. I, I I love I'm, I was absolutely it might have been my favourite of all when I first saw it in Leicester Square and went with all my classmates to see it opening weekend and just from the opening scene that stunt just wow amazing <laughs> jumping off the dam because it's one of the it's one of the staples of a James Bond movie right you need to have a great opening sequence and then something happening at the end and um, like the spy who loved me where he jumps off the cliff and then pulls the ripcord yeah. and then the mm-hmm. Union Jack flag comes out. There's some great ones in there, but I think that's got to be one of the best ones. Jumping off the dam at the end of it is just yeah. amazing. I mean, that is, yeah, seriously scary thing to imagine doing. Yeah, it's a bungee jump, but on the world's <laughs> <laughs> tallest dam or something. Plus the guy actually, did, obviously it wasn't Pierce Brosnan that jumped off, but like that, it wasn't CGI. The guy actually jumped off the dam yeah. on a bungee cord. That's what I admire. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Amazing stunt work. There might be, yeah, there's a few slow scenes in GoldenEye. The whole thing doesn't work, but uh, I love Zenya on the top and she crushes <laughs> men with her legs. And, <laughs> and even, uh, I don't know her name, the other Bond, the, the Bond girl in it. I think she's a Swedish actress. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um Playing the Russian computer girl. Yep. And she was in Vertical Limit as well. She's also in Reign of Fire, which uh-huh. I've got a real soft spot for. I can't remember her name. Reign of Fire with <laughs> the worst Cockney accent I've ever heard. There's a dragon underneath the ground, isn't there? Oh. I do love Reign of Fire. It's a really good Friday night movie. <laughs> oh, so good. But yes, <laughs> um, I, I, I think I prefer Famke Janssen's Zinna on the top as Mm. one of the best femme fatales <laughs> yeah and it's quite good you've got Sean Bean as the former 006 this rival to 007 so I quite I like the whole film even the music they barely use oh, the, the James the Bond bit. score but I quite like the music even though it was exactly the same score copied from Leon 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the kind of, the yeah kind of like sound effect but yeah just with a bit more oh that's number two number one the spy who loved me really that's Great. my number one Which that's one the one that? roger moore jaws uh the underwater submarine the car the lotus, the lotus, the, yeah, the lotus ah, car right, yeah the jumping off the uh skiing off the cliff and then the parachute opens with the union jack Carly Simon's song. It's that's just perfect, kind of classic Bond for me. So that's the one I grew up with. Which one's the one with Jaws where they jump out of the plane and they've all got par- and he doesn't have a parachute? That's the second one. He was in Moonraker. Moonraker. Oh, after Moonraker. That. Okay. Yeah. Right. Which I think, is a bit is he silly. The only Bond Phil henchman to appear twice in two different movies. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you have so. Robbie called trains in two of the Pierce Brosnan ones. <laughs> Yeah, but he's not, not he's not man. really a villain. No. He's just a kind of like yeah, he helps him out, crime yeah. boss guy. Yeah, we'll come back to that point later on for our mm. discussion of Spectre. One of the um, things that I love about the Spy Who Loved Me, I must have mentioned this before in the podcast, maybe even last time, but um, I'm a massive fan of Alan Partridge, and there's one episode of Alan Partridge where he plans to spend his entire bank holiday watching all the James Bond films back to back, and there's this uh, tragic accident where the box that all his VHSs are in, his assistant <laughs> pours an entire jug of Sunny Delight all over them <laughs> and ruins them. So the only video that he's got left of his collection is one that he lent to his mate, Michael, who works in the petrol station, which is a spy who loved me. And then he bring it in and then he discover that um, one of Michael's friends has taped over it with America's Strongest Man. <laughs> so they're all chatting about like the spy who loved me and they, they keep confusing it with other Bond films so like one of the guys like what's up one where he gets a laser beam up his jaffas it's like Goldfinger <laughs> and they're like no 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 stop getting Bond wrong so he's, he then reenacts the whole of the opening scene like the opening credits to it from <laughs> complete starting from the, the the whole opening sequence through to the jumping off the the cliff and then doing part of the song as well and he sings the Carly Simon song is <laughs> one of the best things but there's a great video on YouTube where someone's like mash them up so they're showing the actual opening titles compared to Alan Partridge telling you what's happening on screen <laughs> and it's a, it's a it's a beautiful thing but the Spy Who Loved Me is excellent I think what you find with the James Bond films actually thinking about Spy Who Loved Me the man with the golden gun three years before wasn't that successful and they weren't sure they had to change things up a bit so they had a three-year break and it seems now every time they just stop and have a think about how to change things up a bit and work a bit more on the writing, especially the script. Yeah, it then brings it all together a bit tighter. And it's definitely more impressive when they have a break. I think so. It's that thing as well where it builds demand a little bit as well. Because people love the Bond franchise and the Bond character. But they want... I think it it lets the anticipation grow. So the fact that there was, um, there was four years between... Dino the Day and Casino Royale and they were completely different and then the break between the end of Timothy Dalton and Pierce Brosnan starting was like eight years or something six year break a long yeah. time but for, yeah for me it seemed like yeah because like, I went from age 10 to 17 or something in that yeah. break it was completely different yeah it's a solid top five though I think it's pretty good and not no I don't there's too much crossover it's really weird because like you're kind of you will have your favourite Bonds, but then I think you will always have a soft spot for the ones that you grew up with. Exactly. That's what's, that's what's influenced my list. So, because for me, I I don't, I probably wouldn't consider Pierce Brosnan the best Bond, and I don't consider most of his movies the best movies, but he was my Bond. Like, that was the one that was 
in the hot seat when I was growing up. Yeah. So I do have a bit of a soft spot, even though they get perennially worse as, as this time <laughs> goes do. on. But like, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, the amazing film and the world is not enough. Even has got some really great moments in yep. it. Die Another Day, again, like the opening 15 minutes is fine. <laughs> and then it just goes a bit silly, but like there's some great, great moments in there. But um, yeah, so I'm sure he kind of features quite prominently on, on my list. But having said that, my uh, number five on my list is a Roger Moore film. And it's my favorite one, which is Live and Let Die. Uh-huh. His first which is amazing. Yeah, it was his first... So it was the first... They tried to get Sean Connery to come back into the role one last time and he wasn't really up for it. So that started the search for the new uh, new Bond and it was Roger Moore. And But it's quite an interesting film because it was a movement away from your kind of traditional megalomaniac wants to take over the world type global yes. domination villain yeah. to something that was actually quite of the day. So like uh, there's a lot of the ongoing black exploitation cinema that was going on round about then and the, the kind of bad guy in that one was um mr big who's kananga that's like his pseudonym mm. it was rooted in the drug trades going on in the caribbean and heroin and stuff like that which was a complete departure for that kind of thing also the first time you had a person of color as a bond villain and also as a love interest for james bond during during one of his movies as well um but i just say it's such a good mix it's got I think it's that thing as well. It was changing it up a little because it was so different. Moore's Bond to Connery's Bond, I think. And I, you had the song for it is incredible. I think it's probably one of my favorite Bond movies, the one that Paul McCartney did. Yeah. It's got two amazing henchmen in it as well, which is um, uh, Teehee Johnson and Baron Samdi. Baron Samdi. Which yeah. is brilliant. He, I think the actor that played him, um, Jeffrey Holder, just yeah. died last year, I think it was. Yeah. Um, but they're great. And also you got um, Jane Seymour, who plays Solitaire, who's one of the, I think, one of the best Bond girls. So yeah, that's uh, that's number five on my list. But here's kind of where the modern day Bond kind of takes over. Because I think I've been kind of spoiled like growing up watching films like Bourne and stuff like that as well. Um, so number four on my list is Skyfall, which I know is one of the more recent ones. But I just think we'll come on to it as well when we talk a bit more about Spectre later. But I think watching Spectre you see a little bit of how it's Skyfall light because <laughs> um, it's got all the same kind of ingredients but just Skyfall was just such a perfectly well-rounded movie in terms of the action set pieces and the the character development and the story arc that was going on and it was like really there were there were a couple of new characters introduced who are going to be part of the franchise moving forward and just I just it was amazing and again amazing song as well and part of it was set in Scotland which I really enjoyed as well so that was really good look in Scotland <laughs> I don't love the song for me oh, I, I love it because it's like one of those classic like it's, old yeah, style it's, lounge it's Bond a classic uh, as in it's you, you still plays that James Bond theme under the song so for me it's not original it's like Goldfinger updated, but that, I suppose that's what they're trying to do. I thought it was quite a nice throwback to that stuff. I think because the couple from the films before that, I actually quite like Chris Cornell's You Know My Name. I think that works quite well with that kind of the new kind of edgier style yeah. Bond and it works really well with that thing. That's a good song. Angry rock. Yeah, but then the Quantum of Solace theme is just abysmal. Like it doesn't work at all. I don't and, remember it at all. But it's terrible i remember uh, do you remember adam and joe that used to do the adam and joe show on channel four yes well they had a um 
a radio show on Six Music for a while as well, and used to do this thing called Song Wars. And they would be tasked with writing a song over a certain theme one week. So like one week was uh, they had to write a Kate Nash song. So one of them wrote this song in the style of Kate Nash called Bums and Binge Drinking, <laughs> which is brilliant. But they, they had to write one on the Quantum of Solace when it came out. And <laughs> Joe's song was basically just about how fantastically stupid a title that is. It doesn't mean anything. So his song was called The Sontum of Qualis, and he just keeps getting the words mixed up the whole way through oh, it. But they're, they're on YouTube as well. They're really worth checking out. But um, yeah, for me, because it was a movement back to that like, kind of like classic style, moody, 70s lounge singer type Bond song. And Adele's got like the perfect voice for it as well. Again, why Sam Smith feels like a light version of Adele doing a, a ballad. But anyway, number three, and this is my favorite Connery, Goldfinger. Had to be on there. I think I don't think it's the best Bond film, but I think it might be the most quintessential James Bond because it's really the first one that had like a standout theme, uh, like all the gadgets, like the car was a really prominent character in it as well. Incredible villain, incredible henchman, really exciting story. There was like lasers and everything else. It just <laughs> it's like it's it's got everything. If yeah, you, if you had to say name one Bond film, Goldfinger is probably the Bond film. It's I think just, it's. I think so. Yeah, it's classic Bond. It's it's just and it's just an amazing film. And I remember as well, like when I was a kid, the deaths that were in that were quite shocking. But I really enjoyed them as well. So like, you get Odd Job gets electrocuted by his own hat against the railings, yeah. and it, I think we mentioned that in the movie Kill Quips a couple of weeks ago. Where um, this is my assistant, so, random task. <laughs> <laughs> but the bit where. Uh, he, he asked, one of the characters asked where our job is and he's like hey what happened to your friend he goes oh he blew a fuse <laughs> <laughs> such a great line um, and then Goldfinger gets sucked out of the airplane at yeah. the end it's, oh, just, yeah. it's such a great death it's amazing um, so yeah Goldfinger is definitely up there number two and I'm sure this will be I think this is a crossover and everyone's like probably is Casino Royale I just think it was such mm. a great landmark James Bond film and for Daniel Craig to come into that and just absolutely smash it out the park. And again as well, I think it's because it was one of the first Bond films I remember where the story's a little bit more complex and it's a little bit more real world type situation. So it's to do with, you know, like arms trades and organizations and all that kind of thing, which again was kind of hinting up towards Spectre and all these kind of different things. Um, But Mads Mikkelsen, I think, has got to be one of my favourite Bond villains playing Chief. It's just so menacing in that I, just, I I love it everything about it and there's so many great scenes in that as well the set pieces so like when James's um, drink gets spiked and he needs to run out to yeah. the car and defib and stuff and That's then great. Eva Green's character is just amazing in the way that obviously there'll probably be spoilers that we'll talk about here and later on as well but because her character is so tragic it genuinely because if this is the start of Bond it makes you think that it took such a toll on him that that has led to him masking over these commitment issues and fear of losing people and all that kind of thing going forward, which might, doesn't condone, but might explain as kind of like womanizing exploits and all that kind of thing because of how crushing losing Vesper was. Yeah, they intentionally, yeah, went in writing that story to start off with this young, not clumsy, but a a younger, more immature Bond, Bond who yeah. could get hurt and fall in love. And after that, you know, 
that's it. He's going to be a colder, harder yeah. Bond. And I still think as well, there's because they got is it David Arnold that does all the music now for the Bond movies. The scene right right at the end where the, he shoots Matthew, whatever his name was, uh, in the leg, and then you just see him like kind of like strolling down the steps with that machine gun in his hand. And that's the first time you hear him say Bond, James Bond. But the music at that bit, because it's like the James Bond theme, but slowed down. It's so, so good. And it kind of makes the whole journey up until that point. Kind of the way, the same way I felt with Man of Steel, where I'm not a massive fan of Man of Steel, but the last, the kind of denouement, like after all the action's over, and he starts his job at the Daily Planet just at the end of the yeah. movie. And there's like this that really new Superman theme only kicks in at the end where he's now Superman. Exactly. But I quite like that they, they, they did that setting up the rest of the franchise. But number one for me, and it couldn't really be anything else because it was the first Bond film that I ever remember seeing. I don't think I saw it in the cinema, but I definitely saw it in VHS. So it might have been a bit young, but it was uh, It's Goldeneye. Like for me, like yeah. I, just, I, I think it was like such a huge thing for our kind of age group when we were growing up because there had there'd been such a massive break between Bonds. So it was the first time we'd been exposed to Bond. But also as well, like you had the classic N64 game, which is one of the greatest games oh, ever. God, I yeah. love that game. <laughs> so good. Um, oh, yeah. So you could continually play through the movie as well as watching it and stuff as well. And it's just... I, I, for a couple of my friends back home, it's the same for us as like Die Hard. Like if you sit down and watch a group of you, you can do every single line from it. And I think I saw it three times in the cinema. It's just, it's just amazing. Like, you know, even now, like how they got him to drive. He just looks so cool doing it. You know, the, the scene where he's driving the tank through the streets and he goes <laughs> through a building and you think, oh, he's going to like get his head chopped off. And he's like, nah, nah, just pops up. He's like, straightening his like, tie. Total boss, straightening his tie. It's incredible. Um, or after he's jumped off the dam, comes in through the, the toilet beg your pardon I forgot to knock <laughs> which is the start of the first level on yeah. on the computer game which is just great you, you yeah. start in the vent shoot the guy in the toilet oh, it's just I must have spent two years playing that game every day <laughs> oh, you know again easy level done medium hard getting all the uh, the cheat characters Baron Samdi from Live and Let Die you could get him into it somehow you could do odd job as well and it, you were cheating if you went odd job because he was too short to shoot, <laughs> yeah. which is really annoying. So we, I'd be able to put a banner. I never that. completed that weird secret level right at the end. I don't remember what it was, some weird cave level. Anyway. <laughs> For me, like to see all of that, I was, I was so blown away because it was my first experience of seeing James Bond in, in the cinema, really. I mean, you'd seen growing up, like every other Sunday or whatever, there'd be like a Sean Connery, or Roger Moore on and Christmas. Yeah. But like, I never really paid that much attention. I mean, I can remember the spy who loved me when the car goes into the water and I was like, that's cool. Yeah. But you don't really get it. But then just, oh, there are so many great characters in that one as well. And I think it's quite dark as well. Like, and again, it's, it's got a little bit of the, the, they've used it as a device quite a few times where the bad guy or sorry, the guy who starts off as someone who's, apparently on the good side and then turns into like the major baddie force later on. But that was the first time I'd ever seen that. So I was like, no way, that's 006. It's, it's Trevelyan. Like, is that, how did that happen? And I was like, but he's got a British accent. It's not Russian. He can't be Russian with a British accent. Just yeah, he had to get rid of are. the Northern accent. But uh, Sean so Bean. Good. No, for me. <laughs> it's so good. But anyway, that's my... I am invincible. <laughs> <laughs> Right, my top five. There's a few crossovers. Yeah. Uh, number five, Goldfinger. Have any of you read the books? 
The only book I've read was Casino Royale. Yeah. Uh, no. Goldfinger matches the book almost perfectly. Really? Yeah. It's the only one that does. There's a lot of a lot of the intros to some of the films are parts of other books. Ah, yeah. So okay. it's quite weird seeing them uh, flipped around. Uh, number four was Man with a Golden Gun. Okay. Oh. Scaramanga. Uh, Scaramanga. Basically, these are the ones I grew up with, so that's why. Yeah. I, like the most. I mean, I remember. I love that stunt where, he, you know, he try he kind of jumps over the river. The car. Yeah. Does this loop yeah thing some uh, you know real stunt corkscrew the corkscrew yeah flying car except jumps that sound over the effects river. of it going oh yeah except <laughs> that. that was the first stunt ever done on a computer really yeah like the the physics worked out on a computer <laughs> wow and it worked it worked it worked the flying car and the third nipple and the golden gun and the mm. it's just gonna make it. christopher lee christopher lee is it Nick Nack's the name of the henchman in there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nick Nack. He was great. Uh, number three, View to a Kill. Uh, this one had an impression on me because I went on holiday to Mallorca once in 1980, whatever it was. Five. 1985. <laughs> so probably in 1986. So I first watched A View to a Kill in a bar in Mallorca, but it was in German. <laughs> so I watched the entire film in German. I had no idea what was going on, but had all this, you know, the... The, the hot air balloon smashing into the Golden Gate Bridge and the fire truck thing. So I saw it all, and then I watched it again in English years later. And of course, you got the stuff in Paris where he's driving yeah, down the car. Eiffel Tower. Thing. And yeah. then I went and did uh, French Exchange. So I went to Paris. So I was in the same place. It's the first mm-hmm. time I've been in a movie set that I'd seen on the film. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that had a big impression on me. Yeah, that was the first one I saw in the cinema for. A school friend's seventh birthday. <laughs> and, I, and then I saw it again like the week later. Because, yeah, I mean, even the opening skiing scene, I, I quite like. But I suppose I loved the film at the time because then it went into the Duran Duran song. Yeah. And just, <laughs> That's a great I love theme. that song, which is such a good thing. It's just like, <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, number two, Goldeneye, which we've waxed lyrical about. Um, and top one skyfall for me really yeah mm. it just takes every all the good bits of bond puts it into a really great film but you don't have to watch any of the other bonds to appreciate watching the film it's it's a real film as it were yeah i mean all it's the little nods, slick it's oh, so good so good i usually if i'm doing some work and i don't need any sound i'll put on the skyfall soundtrack it's a terrific soundtrack <laughs> just have it running even if I'm, i was making pizzas the other day and i had this skyfall soundtrack running in the background which emmy really hated but it's good i love it it's amazing yeah i'm surprised you didn't hover more on casino royale well casino royale's good but it it only follows the book it's only the, the middle section is the book so the end, the, the yeah, end, but the book, I mean, the book was written about the Cold War, so you couldn't really no, the, do a movie about that. the book is literally the casino bit. But it's, it's to do with the Russians and stuff like no, that. No, the, the Casino Royale, the book, is just the casino scene. It, it, it's literally that. And the last line of the, of the book is the bitch is dead. Mm. So then everything else, top and tail, is, is new, which is fine. The film's great, but... I still can't figure out in Casino Royale, after watching it so many times, she dies. Yeah. And... Why does she die? I, I know why the writers have, you know, written her out to die. But I don't think, I can't see how, why she has to die or how she dies. She, she just locks herself in this lift and that's it. I think it's more that that's her only way out. Yeah. I, I think she just feels trapped by her situation. 
So rather just than... before, has she, she's done this transfer. Has she, she's kind of betrayed him in some kind of way, but I just can't figure that out. It's not completely well, is she explained. Not, she's trying to protect James Bond, but cause she had a boyfriend, was it a boyfriend or a guy who's like, yeah, there is. She's in a weird relationship with the Moroccan guy. And I don't know if it's to protect both of them from the situations and stuff. I don't know. I think, but again, it alludes to there's something bigger going on beyond the immediate circumstance that James Bond is in in Casino Royale. Yeah. I just remember he, he runs to the bank. There's been this big transfer and then he has to find her and then the building collapses and she, yeah. she goes down. I suppose it's built up quite emotionally. So that's why I'm like, why does she have to die? I don't want her to die. <laughs> Right, let's move on to Spectre. Spectre. There will be spoilers abound in this episode. Yes. So turn off now if you haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, one of the spoilers that's already been changed on IMDb is the name's been changed to Blofeld as the character. Really? Yeah. Uh, Check that out the uh, other day. So it's not in the credits as Blofeld? No, but it's in on IMDb is now as Blofeld. Doesn't yeah, say of course. Has. So he's not still alive. Skyfall. No. In any way, shape, or form. The opening it, scene. Amazing. The, the one mm. on the Day of the Dead in Mexico. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's an excellent yeah. opening scene. Everyone really agrees cool. that is yeah, yeah superb because of the the long tracking shots with three edits in it, which you probably couldn't. Yeah, see. and then <laughs> probably it's annoying because like cuts. as an editor, you yeah. kind of notice all the little joins, and I'm like, oh, it's lingering on that wall a bit too long. Oh, there's yeah. the cut. Okay, yeah. Is that the cut where it just focuses on a poster for It'll a second, be something like that, and then it yeah. goes into the hotel? Yeah, because the lenses don't. You can't. Do get you think it cuts when that. he steps out? Of the hotel room onto yeah, the balcony yeah, the as well. The hotel room's in Pinewood. The ba- balcony's outside again. That's what I would have thought. <laughs> but either way, some of the just the first shot. Oh yeah, it's amazing. And the the huge the amount of extras. But a lot of them are CG. Yeah. Yeah. I thought because you know they're saying it's the most expensive film ever made, practically. No, Definitely I most expensive a Bond. Interview with Sam Mendes, he said they had a lot of people, but not that many. Not that many. Mm. Yeah. Uh huh. I think they had two thousand extras. Right. Well, that's Still that's enough. It's a lot, but it wouldn't fill that square. No, that's true. I didn't even think. I, I wasn't even sure if he was Bond. That when we focused in on the white skeleton, was oh, he the white yeah. skeleton mask? Or was oh, he the got, black yeah, one? Yeah, no, he's got the white skeleton mask. Yeah. And you're following him, and you see the blue eyes, but it, you know it's a skeleton. I wasn't sure, and then yeah, you, as soon as you get into a hotel room. Okay, it's him, it's him. I thought, I I really enjoyed the story arc though. I just, I felt, I wanted to see loads more of the Spectre stuff. I was kind of annoyed that there was only like the the one grand hall scene. And Christopher Watts, I'm just like, I just want to see more of him on screen. I thought he he was good, but I just didn't think he had enough. He was, he just didn't have enough to do. And I want, I wanted, I I mean, I get that you're trying to set up the, the, whole thing about you know him how he got the scar and it was there's like the the family ties to james bond and all that kind of thing but and i like that he didn't kill him on the bridge for two reasons one obviously because it would just reduce james down um and it gives him a little shred of humanity right at the end but also as well i just i want to see him in more films like i want to i don't know yeah i think christoph waltz was almost missing his tarantino script it's almost like he needed a bit more of psychotic, crazy villain lines. It's the same problem I had with one of the Mission Impossible films with 
uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman as a bad guy, you never actually see the bad guy do anything bad. Like in the original Bond films with Blofeld, you see him pushing the button and he kills a person who goes down in the thing. So he, you know he's doing it. But in this one, he doesn't physically do anything. But that's one of my, maybe my favourite Mission Impossible because he just, he kidnaps his wife. It's more personal. Mm. I like that. <laughs> not like Alan Rickman Mr. Kanaka would not be joining us for the rest of his, oh, life. his life so you see him doing all the bad stuff but he just just didn't I didn't like the family thing that felt like it was just a sort of just shoved that in you know the family tie between the two of them yeah. oh he doesn't like James Bond because his daddy likes him a little bit more so he became a psycho oh boo hoo it wasn't enough of a it reason it felt a little tenuous yeah. so it was like no but then the whole thing with Blofeld is that he is he's a psychopath so like it that those are the fine margins that would take to set someone off that, down that path like he's not a normal person yeah. he's insane like he's it just wasn't it, enough build up between the writers didn't need to tie so many things together yeah. the Blofeld adoptive half-brother background killing his father in the avalanche and tying it into Blofeld was the author of all James Bond's pain in the last you know three films Really, everything. I think the writers just they had they were trying to tie everything into this big ultimate impact. It was too much. It didn't th- quite work. I think it's the thing that's in a lot of Hollywood movies. It's a thing that lets down the storytelling. Most often, in my opinion, is that I quite like origin stories or backstories, but you don't have to explain every single shred of where someone comes from and stuff. So, you know, like, um, I, I think one of the best examples of how you can have an amazing character and you keep all the mystery is the Dark Knight because that's the whole point of the Joker is that he has no other names, no other aliases. He's got no background. They don't know where he comes from. They don't know what his motives are. Like, there's nothing justifying why he's like what he's like just now. And there's that whole brilliant speech about some men don't can't be bought, argued or reasoned with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. And you're just like, that's, that's yeah, how you do a backstory. he just burns all the money. He doesn't yeah, care exactly. about the money. He doesn't, doesn't care, care about anything. And I, I love that. And, and too few movies. I mean, like, how many of these movies like the... Uh, I'm just trying to think. They escape my mind at the moment. But like a lot of these horror films, they'll do like... Um, like say someone like uh, Michael Myers from Halloween or Jason from Friday the 13th or something like that. They'll have like all these like weird killers and stuff like that, but then it'll take you back to like when they were a child, or he was, or he saw his dad killed in front of him or something. Do you know what I mean? And you just like don't because that the Hannibal Lecter one. What was the one where young Hannibal? It's like one of the later films. I can't even remember what it's called. Rise of Evil. That's it. Hannibal Rise of Evil. Hannibal Rising. Give, Hannibal Rising. That's it. Yeah, they're trying to give the uh, this backstory to show why he became evil. And I'm like, no, he's not. He's just he's he's clinically insane he's an immensely intelligent yeah, insane person you much. don't need to give him that backstory and that really annoys me just with, for the money yeah i thought the the girl that was the bond girl Lee sido is she's excellent like she's a really good actress but as well like there was i think i mentioned this when we were talking about mission impossible a couple of months ago i quite liked that in the most recent mission impossible because you have tom cruise and then like this girl who's literally about half his age as the kind of like male female characters, but then it they didn't do a traditional love interest. It was more like a kind of like he was trying to protect her from stuff, and then that I quite like that. And I kind of got a similar type vibe going on between 
yeah, her character and James Bond, but then they kind of like do end up together at the end. And I'm just like, oh, it, it just felt a little bit weak. I'm like, cause he, I, I don't know. It just, it felt like he was trying to do this thing to protect her as a promise to her father yeah. from the start of the movie. But then it just slides into your traditional James Bond, like, oh, he's going to go to bed with her anyway, you know? Yeah. Well, he's at the end. It's like, oh, I'm going to move on. He's practically, he's almost saying I'm retiring as an agent and I'm going to settle down with yeah. this girl. But the, the whole film, you never really get that emotional connection no. at all compared to mm. in Casino Royale. So I find Monica Bellucci's character really right. odd. Has no role. She's in it for like yeah. literally no role. And I, I was really excited to see her in it because I think she's a great, terrific actress. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And they've got a woman who's more Bond's age being in it. So I was like, oh, if there's going to be a love interest, that'd be really cool. I wonder how she's involved. And then she, she just disappears. Yeah. He breaks into her house kills two people that are trying to kill her and then has sex with her and then just leaves and, leaves just like- <laughs> and says oh uh here's the number for felix lighter he'll look after you or something yeah. but you would at least expect it being a bomb film a scene where the bad guys break in and kill her yeah because he sleeps with anyone she's dead yeah. but it doesn't even transpire yeah it doesn't really work like that she's great but I, I, yeah, she deserved actually a good death scene. <laughs> I did like that they they were using the um, he used the the kind of shell of the MI six building as where you set that. I, I I thought that looked really cool and like the scene at the end where where he's trying to like break in and find him and stuff. But I got to say, I'm not a massive fan. Is it Andrew Scott? As soon as he walked in, you like no. you were suspector exactly this is the point I was trying to make without spoiling to you when we were talking about the other week I was like he's too evil I was like either they've gone so far to try and throw out the red herring that yeah he works for the British government but he is Spectre but he's not really I thought that's the only way that they could rescue this because he's so he's just like like the tone of his voice and the way he acts I don't think he's a great actor I quite like him in Sherlock but there's been so many other films I've seen him in and he just annoys me he's got a really punchable face when they walked into the new building and they went and then goes well how have you afforded to pay for all this Uh, we've got a a private benefactor Spectre yes (laughs) oh god but every single line of dialogue he had was like exposition to how they're obviously going to be involved with Spectre. I'm just, it's like, it's, it's literally like, you know, again, the scene from The Dark Knight where, uh, sorry, Batman Begins, where Rutger Hauer's character is like that to Lucius Fox. Didn't you get the memo? Mm. Like, that's literally what he says pretty much to M. Yeah. And I don't know. The thing, other things I did like though about it, I liked how much more screen time M and Q particularly got. Yes. I think Ben Wishaw's Q is an excellent bit of casting. Yeah, and Naomi Harris. Yeah, yeah, like and she, I think penny. she's finally like Money Penny's actually starting to become a bit more of a character rather than the girl that James yeah, works with. Because they on the did way make them into office. a bit more of a team yeah. this, this time, like the new Mission Impossible films. Yeah, he's got more of a team where it used to be Bond on his own and Money Penny's in the office, M's in the office. Um, but you, actually, because it's Ray Fiennes and he's a great actor, you can you almost see him as oh, he was like a former double O agent, he could be. He's just an older James Bond. Mm. He's good. I really like the relationship between Money Penny and James Bond in the the new films because there is actually this weird sexual tension between Naomi Harris and Daniel Craig's characters, in that you feel like nah, they wouldn't really get it on, but there, there's like a real you know, close like the, the brother scene. and sister type. Well, <laughs> I'm just 
They trust each other. They, they really do. And I think there's some great scenes in the previous films. I can't remember if it's Skyfall, the one where she shaves him with yes. the Turkish razor. I, yeah. I just like, it's to show the intimacy, but like without being really obvious about it. I just, and there's, there's so many great scenes. And I think I really like that you got to see Moneypenny in her home setting doing this thing for James and there's like a guy that she's got in bed that you don't really see. I, I thought just, that was I, Andrew Scott. No, it doesn't. No, she's just got it? a guy in no, bed. Yeah. She's, no, when I saw the film, I was like, is that? Yeah. Oh, of course it's And not she's like, yeah, I have a life. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was really cool. I quite liked that. I think, what, what did you make of the song as well? Rubbish. <laughs> Rubbish. <laughs> Awful song. Well, tell us what you really think. Oh, maybe. God. <laughs> <laughs> when I heard the little snippet, like the first little August bit, I thought, oh, Sounds quite good. And then it just goes into a cat screaming. I'm going to go the other way. And (laughs) you're going to kill me right now. I like it. There's the door. I like it more than than Skyfall. I like it more than Skyfall. You're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, I can. Okay, maybe I just never really liked Adele. I I don't even, you know, like Sam Smith's songs that much, but. I don't know. I heard it just, you know, on my, on my phone the first time and it just stuck in my head this and I just, I quite, I don't know. I, I like don't know. I, I just, I, cause I'm not a massive, I'm not a massive fan of either Adele or Sam Smith, but like Adele's voice, she's got a gravitas to her voice. I think that worked so well with that Bond song. I just think she was really well suited to it, but Sam Smith's voice just, it doesn't really carry. I'm not saying he, he can't sing because he clearly can, but I think if you gave that song to a woman who's got like a really rich full voice, someone well, not unlike Adele. Maybe they like, could have got. A, they should have got Adele to just to do it again. Yeah, or, or like Shirley Bassey. Well, <laughs> Shirley Bassey would be fun. <laughs> but I mean, like even someone like I know they're pop stars, but like Beyonce or Gaga, they've both both got amazing actual singing voices outside from like the pop yeah actually, Beyonce thing. would do that song really well exactly so I think if you got someone like that to do that I think it would be more interesting than just have Sam Smith do it I remember as well because he boasted he was like oh yeah we wrote it in an afternoon I'm like, well, yeah. it sounds, it like, sounds it. like it <laughs> but I would say for the next one you need to bring back some rock and some drums do you reckon you, no you need to go the song, other way there? no beat I just want to get back to like a Duran Duran style. <laughs> Basically, that's what I want. They're still bring going. Duran Duran. Yeah, they're still around. Yeah. If you were doing it though, like oh, who, aha. who else would you get to do a Bond song though? I mean, you, like, well, you two have done it. They've done Goldeneye. They wrote it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was Bono that wrote it. Um, because I was thinking about, I was thinking, especially in terms of British bands, it was like the only. Real- I was ex- yeah. I, I mean. I was going to say Muse. I, I, I think Muse could do a good Have you heard Muse and single? It sounds like the darkness. They, yeah, Muse, Muse were my favourite band in the world up until about 2006. And then they started making like... Proclaimers. <laughs> terrible. You imagine a Proclaimers Bond song. I, I think the Arctic Monkeys would make a decent fist of art. At least Alex Turner. Because he's got a couple of his side projects and other things. There was a band that he was in called The Last Shadow Puppets. And they made an album that kind of sounds like 70s type drum based kind of like sparse oh, get, James Bond get type Paul thing. McCartney back with yeah, Ringo Starr oh my goodness now you're talking that would be good <laughs> something else that annoyed me about Spectre everyone disappears like in the, the new the new building that they've got this this whole new system's going live at midnight no one's there to check it works <laughs> 
It's just C in his office, and there's no one. Like when then when the helicopter crashes on the bridge, no one comes along. <laughs> you see police putting tape out. If a helicopter crashes, people would run towards and try and help. Yeah, they wouldn't know it was a terrorist. Yeah, exactly. It would be locking it off with guns, would they? Yeah. Oh, it annoys me when people just disappear out of. And I didn't like the car chase at all. Is it Rome? Yeah. After he's escaped from the the meeting, there's this car chase through empty streets in Rome, and they're actually driving really slowly. <laughs> <laughs> it says on the speedometer eighty or something. Yeah, he's pushing the car at eighty pushed, miles an hour down the street. Yeah, it's suddenly that little Fiat five hundred just gently bumps <laughs> into the pillar at twenty, and that it shows they haven't really sped up the film and maybe they're driving 30 40 i don't feel the energy of that car chase at all i didn't think that was as good but i liked the one where he was chasing them in the plane with the cars and yeah. it's going through the trees and stuff like that i like that sequence and i, I quite like the one like we were alluding to earlier on the train sequence train fightings the one where oh. he's fighting Dave Batista on the train's really good yes. i thought the camera works excellent in that confined space but that's shit. it <laughs> yeah Dave Batista. Is brilliant. He's yeah. coming. He's, he's coming like back. the best henchman since Jaws for me. Or Definitely. Something. Yeah, there, there, I want him back. Yeah, there oh, he's coming been back. That many amazing henchmen in the more recent ones. Because I mean, like even I'm trying to think, like Golden Eye. I, the last one that I remember that I can remember off the top of my head was the guy from Die Another Day. That's got the he's got the shaved head and the diamonds in his face. But even then, like he's not a brilliant henchman. I think you need no, to go back. He's the bad guy, isn't he? No, that the, oh, the, the other bad guy. guy's Toby Young. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, there haven't been amazing ones recently. Again, it's. I think it might be one of those things that's difficult to do now because would it look a bit too campy and old style to have someone who's like seven foot with metal teeth now? Or <laughs> I don't know. Well, you could maybe get but away with Dave the Jaws Batista was character. the closest to Jaws. He had the metal uh, fingernails or something. Oh, he put, I think he just, it's like a thing he put on his fingers before he would push someone's eyes out. Gouged the guy's eyes out, yeah. Um, And the, yeah, the train fight. He's just, he's a brick wall and he's chucking Daniel Craig through the wall, through the bar. There's no way Daniel Craig, James Bond (laughs) can win. Yeah. And the girl actually has to save him in a way. And that is, yeah, that is really good. Yeah. I thought he was great. But I, he really surprised me from, I've, talked about it ad nauseum as well guardians of the galaxy who he plays drax i just thought like what a revelation like he was just so great in that role um that, that i'd love to see him do more stuff it was good casting yeah they yeah. saw him in guardians of the galaxy right get him yeah he's yeah, the henchman yeah. <laughs> definitely and he didn't need to have many lines it didn't he didn't yeah it didn't have any he had one one word shit. one word <laughs> when he come yeah when he gets pulled out they did a a jaws shark on him tying you know tying the barrels yes ah uh, ah. Uh, they did a jaws on him they uh, tied all the barrels to pull him out of the train just like they tied the barrels to jaws the shark nice anyway <laughs> that's what it, yeah i had a flashback to that when i saw it i i really enjoyed spectre even though it's got many flaws flaws many flaws it just feels like diet skyfall to me yeah it's, and, it's trying to recreate that stuff and yeah but will craig do another one he really, I, it doesn't I don't think he wants to I don't think he wants to and I think the thing is as well he looks he looks visibly older and he's not doing as much as stunt work so like if you go back and watch Casino Royale 
I, he's explosive in that movie like the opening scene where he's doing all the parkour stuff yeah he does a lot of this you know where he's like running through the walls and jumping off things and he looks ripped yeah whereas now he still looks in shape but he looks markedly older he's older and a yeah. bit more world weary so i yeah i think but again that poses the question like who else would you get in like who, who do you think would be everyone's going on about idris elba i think he's too, he's old. too, too old, old already I think he's too, he's too old. old he'll be great he's too old yeah if i'll put it out there i'll if Craig can get one more in and then, you know what I'm going to say, Henry Cavill can finish off Justice League. And if you've seen The Man from Uncle, he's James Bond in it. Yeah, he's pretty good. Give Henry Cavill five years. He'll be a great James Bond. See, the thing again about Cavill, because Cavill's getting on a bit now as well. But the thing is, like I 33 think, or something. But I think Cavill, I think he's too big. Yeah. Like, I, I, he's... In my in my mind, like James Bond, I mean, because you've got like Roger Moore and I think all the guys that play James Bond, maybe apart from um, Daniel Craig, have been quite a bit over six foot. Yeah. But you don't think of James Bond as like a massive, big bodybuilder type guy. I just think Henry Cavill looks perfect as as Superman. Like he is Superman. He's enormous. Looks big and strong and all the rest i just he doesn't look like bond to me so i'd be more inclined to have someone that looks a little bit rougher and not quite as big i saw well, i saw the man from uncle and henry cavill is it's set in the 60s yeah it's really it's all it's not so much about big action but it's kind of stylish and cool and he does a more roger moore-esque bond yeah he does yeah it's quite uh, camp so for me I, I yeah i quite enjoyed that yeah and that's how i could see him as bond He'd, ha- he'd bring back a bit more of the funny one-liners, but he'd still be strong and tough. Yeah. Well, that I- was super. Mm. That could be one of but his lines. I don't, think you can, <laughs> I don't know if you can be Superman and James Bond. That's too much. Well, you had Harrison Ford was Indiana Jones and Han Solo. So. He's Harrison Ford. <laughs> he could be James Bond now. We wouldn't care. He could do everything. <laughs> Got a license to kill. Oh, and then there's Damien Lewis, they're saying. Nah, he's not Bond. He's not. No, he's not cool enough. I don't think. Mm. I just there's certain there's something that I find quite annoying about him as well. It needs to kind of be an everyman. And the weird thing is as well, like because Johnny Vegas, (laughs) (laughs) I'll have a pipe, monkey. (laughs) I think um, the weird thing was with Daniel Craig, like because there were rumours that he was potentially being a, a guy who could potentially be Bond, and the stuff that I'd seen up until. He was in Lair Cake. I was like, I don't really see it. And then you see Lair Cake and you're like, he's Bond. Like when he's walking around the corner with a gun and you're like, that, there's not much of a stretch. Yeah, they saw that and they found their Bond. cool. Yeah, exactly. And there aren't that many other ones. Tom Hardy, I think, would be up there for me. But again, I think he might be a bit, well, the thing is he slims down an awful lot for roles as well. I think he's he's got You mean too big an actor in reputation or too big? too big physically. He's not right. I don't think he's smooth. He's enough. very short, but... I think he's, he's got the chops as well. He's like such a be, great actor. Yeah. He wouldn't do it, I don't think. I think that's the thing. I think he would think it's too much of a selling yourself short. Although I want to see him in another Mad Max. So final thoughts on Spectre. What do, what do we like about Spectre? What do they do right? I think as a fan of James Bond, there were a lot of really nice nods to older stuff and... For me as well, I just, I enjoyed that it tried to continue the story arc of the last three films because I've, I've been really 
enjoying the last couple of films and I feel they've been building up and Skyfall was a particular peak, I think. Um, I thought the action sequences by and large were pretty good. I think it's just, it's a, it's a kind of solid James Bond movie. I think it's definitely not the best, but it's by no means bad or one of the worst ones at all. Um, and you just need to go back to Die Another Day again to see um, that it's only been it's a bit It's better than Quantum years. of Solace. Much better. Miles better no than one Quantum ever of talks about Quantum of no. Solace. Yeah, it's just forgotten about. Oh, I love Dave Bautista, Ray Fiennes, Daniel Craig. Even Leia Seydu. She's okay. Well, she's, I thought she was cool. One yeah. of my favourite scenes was where he sees meets the Pale King. That whole dialogue between them talking. It's brilliant. Again, I think that's the mark of a director who's really good at... Intimate g- getting scenes. Getting a lot out of the character as well. Because... I think it's the strength of the the actors that are in that scene as well, because that's when you actually really see Daniel Craig really acting. Yeah. Um, like what we're talking about with Casino Royale earlier on, is that so pretty much all of our favorite scenes in that movie are in the casino, where it's just like it's basically just like a tete a tete between these two guys over a poker table. Like mm. there's not really an awful lot going on, but the actors are so good in that situation. And I think where where he meets that guy and they have that that whole exchange like it's it's quite moving and it's really well acted and um i i think because i'd seen the trailer and i was just like it sounds a bit like a cliche but when you see it in the whole context of that scene he's like you're a kite dancing in the hurricane mr bond i just like that sounds whoa that's like such a cool line and yeah i just i I really enjoyed that scene as well eight out of ten (laughs) <laughs> I think seven out of ten. Okay, maybe yeah. seven. Yeah. I'll downgrade seven yeah. and a half. So- solid seven. Solid seven. <laughs> well, that's it for this special episode of the Movie Digest. Uh, I've been JQ. I've been Finn. I've been Theo. See you next time. Bye bye. Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you want to listen to some more podcasts that I do, go and check out my website, jamesquintin.co.uk forward slash podcasts, or come and see me do some stand-up. That would be nice. There should be a gig list on the website as well. Thanks.